So we are in a bit of liturgical liminal space right now, which is kind of like Holy Saturday, that time in between, between the death of Jesus on one hand and the resurrection on the other. That time when you're not sure exactly what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. Only this time, the amount of time is a bit protracted because we are between, in the liturgical calendar, ascension, which is the physical removal of Jesus from the world, and Pentecost, the giving of the Spirit, or what Jesus called the Comforter. So you can imagine that the disciples were a little confused and and maybe disheveled and anxious and concerned because again they had lost everything. Everything seemed to be falling apart. And then we hear these words of Jesus, our text for today, which speak not of disarray or of things becoming torn apart, but of unity. I pray that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us. Now, what does Jesus mean by these words? The text in its entirety is a bit like a Gordian knot. It's it's tightly wound, and it's hard to make sense of. It's hard to unwind. But we have to kind of take it apart a bit by bit if we're going to at least get to a part of what Jesus meant to us, because it's clear that if anything we can say about this text is it's a bit mysterious. It's hard to make sense of. It's a bit of a puzzle. John's Gospel is like that. It's much more mystical than all the other Gospels. It leaves us wondering on many occasions. What's it mean that the Word became flesh? What's it mean that we must be born again? And here, what does Jesus mean when he says that all may be one? Though the fullness of what Jesus prayed for remains mysterious, there are a few things that we can glean from the text if we pull it apart. First, the unity that Jesus prays for transcends generations. This is particularly good news Jesus' prayer includes us, and it also includes those who have gone before us and those who will come after us, our children and our grandchildren. The unity that Jesus speaks of isn't linear or flat, but rather has height and depth. It includes what is above and below, or to put it another way, it's not just about us in our time, but it's about what God was up to in those who came before us, and what God will be up to long after we are gone. It has to do with God's time. Jesus' prayer for unity is an affirmation of the communion of saints. It somehow holds everything together at once. New Testament scholar Charles Cusar says that this prayer serves as a healthy reminder that the church is bigger than any one generation. And it prevents a paralyzing preoccupation with the present. Can you hear the hope in that? It's not all on our shoulders. And certainly as we look around at the church today, we can see the limitations. We can see the lack of unity. 
amongst Christians especially. I don't know about you, but I find comfort and encouragement in the face of all the obstacles that are in the way of our realizing healing in our metropolitan city. There is hope in a God whose unity transcends the limits of our lifetimes and of what you and I can see. Secondly, the unity that Jesus prays for reflects a mutuality between Jesus and God and among the believing community. There is an inflowing and outflowing between one and the other. What God is, is passed on to Jesus. And who Jesus is, is passed on to those who would follow him. And what the disciples are or were has been passed on even to us. And we are to pass that on to the world. So relationship matters. Relationship between God and Jesus, between Jesus and his disciples, and between us and the rest of the world. Somehow what happened between Jesus and his Father is to happen among us too. There are two words in the text that give us a clue to what that means. And they are the words glory and love. And when you hear the word glory, think of powerful presence. John L. McKenzie, in his article on glory in Dictionary of the Bible, writes that in Jehanine writings, the glory of Jesus is prominent, but it is a mutual glory of Jesus and the Father. The Father gives glory to Jesus, demonstrating that Jesus is what he claims to be, and the Father himself receives glory from the Son as he receives glory from the disciples of Jesus. It's a bit confusing, but it calls us again to a unity, a mutuality, a connectedness, a relationship between Christ and God and us and Jesus and one another. We are to play a part in the glory of God as our lives attest to God's goodness. The powerful presence of God is revealed in us as we work together for good. This past Sunday afternoon, we held an end-of-the-year celebration here in the chapel for the Armstrong Leadership Program, which serves youth at our local high school. It was an amazing celebration, highlighting the work of youth and what they have done in our community, their accomplishments in the classroom and through extracurricular activities, retreats they've experienced. I'm glad Yvette's here. There's been a lot said about Armstrong in the last few days. I hope you had a chance to look at the front page today. One of the Armstrong youth is highlighted as a Scholar-Athlete of the Year. Go and read that story and you'll hear more about Armstrong Leadership Program. At the end of the program on Sunday, the Reverend David Jones got up to give closing remarks and setting aside anything he prepared, he simply said in so many words, God has been glorified here today. And if you were in the room, you would know what he meant. It summed it up. God's glory was alive in this space. The glory of God was was revealed through the Armstrong youth and their mentors and teachers and leaders and all those gathered here on Sunday afternoon. God was in it. Those in the room experienced the powerful presence of God in one another. How it happened, though, I can't 
explain. It's beyond words. It's a mystery. And yet I believe it was a tangible expression of the unity that Jesus prayed for long ago. That connection that we're invited to be a part of between us and God is difficult to articulate. But Jesus prayed that it might be so, that God would be glorified in our lives and in the believing community, that through us the world would know of God's presence. Meister Eckhart, a 13th century German mystic, put it this way using mystical language. The eye through which I see God is the same eye through which God sees me. My eye and God's eye are one eye, one seeing, one knowing, one love. Does that make any sense? Mystical language to try to explain something that's beyond comprehension, but every once in a while we get a glimpse of it. God's powerful presence in our midst. If we were truly in liminal space, it would be easier to understand. Liminal space has a way of getting us out of our rational minds and into a heart space where we can know things on a different level. Ten years ago last month, I participated in a vision quest in the Canyonlands in southern Utah. Think of a vision quest like a mini Jesus 40 days in the wilderness. I was out in the wilderness by myself for three days and four days without food. In that liminal space, I began to notice things. The lay of the land, the color of birds, the shape of trees and rocks and clouds. I began to literally see things differently. I'm reminded of the words of Mechtel of Magdeburg, another German mystic, and one of the world's first ecologists, who said that the day of my spiritual awakening was the day I saw and knew I saw all things in God and God in all things. Do you hear the mutuality expressed there? God in us, us in God. I had a similar experience on that vision quest. I began to write poetry which was really strange for me. And I began to experience a depth of things that I can't fully explain. And a clarity came in the midst of the confusion of being separated from the so-called comforts of life. And I remember at one point, and it must have been during the third day or so, of beginning to say to myself almost spontaneously, it's okay not to know, for in not knowing, I know. It's okay not to know, for in not knowing, I know. I don't know where that came from. But saying it over and over again, again gave me a sense of peace and calm in the midst of that experience. I realized that there was something mystical that I was encountering there in those canyonlands. At another point on the quest, I was overcome with the reassurance that love is really all that matters. Everything else of seeming importance fell away. I'd been instructed to rehearse my own death while I was out there in the wilderness. I was on this huge rock face that overlooked this creek down below and a valley and a mountain on the other side. And I set up this space and I was told to simply lay down 
and imagine your death and see what happens. And I opened the space, and in my imagination, my sons began to visit me one at a time. And when Clay walked into the space and he began to cry, and I reassured him that it was okay. And out of nowhere, I felt this strong sense that I needed to tell him that it's going to be all right. That I'm sorry, I said, for leaving you too soon. But I want you to know that love is all that matters. It may sound trite, it may sound simple, but I know it's true. And then I told him that there's nothing that can ever separate you from my love for you. And I told him that you need to remember that. And you need to know that your life has to be about love as well. Love is the second way, or maybe I should say the first way really, that divine relationship is mirrored in this world. As we demonstrate the love with which we have been loved with one another and with the world, we exhibit the mutuality between the Father and the Son, between God and Jesus, and the unity for which Jesus prayed. I want to share a poem with you that that was in my inbox yesterday that I think speaks to this a little bit. It talks of love, and it talks of the love like salt. It's a poem by Lisa Mueller. And it's earthy and ordinary, and it brings to mind things that Jesus spoke of, like wineskins and table fellowship, and that we ought to be salt for the earth. Love like salt. It lies in our hands in crystals too intricate to decipher. It goes into the skillet without being given a second thought. It spills on the floor so fine we step all over it. We carry a pinch behind each eyeball. It breaks out on our foreheads. We store it inside our bodies in secret wineskins. At supper, we pass it around the table, talking of holidays in the sea. We love in everyday, ordinary ways. And the love of God flows through us. And the world knows, the world knows of God's presence. Let me close by offering one more characteristic of the unity found in Jesus' prayer. We've considered generate, that it's generational and that it's mutual. Thirdly, the nature of the unity Jesus prayed for is meant to serve a greater end. It's not meant for just us. The unity of God has a larger goal in mind than to benefit a few. Instead, it's for the sake of the world. It's meant to change everything and unite all. Now it seems to me that this is particularly relevant for us in this room who seek the healing of a wider community through our prayer and hospitality, spiritual development, and efforts toward racial reconciliation. We try to model unity here, to be an example of God's love, and to be a powerful presence in this city. Our residential community is meant to do that. Some days it's hard to know if it's making any difference at all. Our goal is so lofty to seek the healing of an entire metropolitan city that it sometimes seems impossible. 
But this prayer by Jesus reminds us that that goal we have also resonates with God's desire for the unity of all, for, for those far beyond these walls. Jesus' prayer affirms that, and he seems to be praying for us, and that it will be, that you and I would be here now furthering the love of God in the world, bringing glory to God through our humble attempts at faithfulness. This is how we glorify God. This is how we love, and this is how we bring together what the world has torn apart. God, in answer to prayer, promises to do something remarkable with that. May it be so. Amen.